Welcome to Morning Devotion with Ken Gurley. Devotions designed to inspire you on your daily walk with God. Here's your host, Ken Gurley. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome. Welcome. Day 21. Wow. We are finishing up 21 days of prayer. What a day. What a day to be alive and to see God's goodness in the land of the living. I, I don't believe God could have picked a better scenario to show his grace and his loving kindness than the one in which we're living in right now. I pray his blessings upon you and upon everybody that gathers and that God is near you and dear to you in such a time as this. So welcome. Welcome, Yvonne and Linda and Patty and Diana and Contrice. Thank you. Thank you for sharing in this moment and saying, God is going to see us through. I'm just happy to have each and every one of you. Some of you, some of you are faithful followers. You've been here since the get-go, a little over a year ago. Others are newbies. Others started in the midst of this pandemic. Whenever you started, you're welcome. And whenever you watch this, you're welcome. Today, in the 21st day of 21 days of prayer, and tomorrow, Sunday, wow, this will be the first day we get a break in a little while, but we're going to be in the house of the Lord, worshiping God. But I do, I, I do want to talk to you about a subject today, the lights dim and the curtains rise. And I think that's important. That's important for our group when we gather together and we see what God is going to do in our day. And what a subject this is today. Uh, follow the page, like the page, share the page, loop others in your family and your sphere of influence into this and watch what God can do. I, I want to talk on this 21st day of prayer, not about day 21, but really about day 22. What is going to happen to us tomorrow? What do we need to do each and every morning as we go forward? I believe it matters. We are not coming alone into a solitary place. We've not uh, shut out everything else and stumbling our way through life. But you and I are gathering each morning because we know. We know that God and God alone is the one that's able to keep us. By ourselves, we're easy prey for the enemy. But together, we can fend off an attack. We can watch out for one another. Where two or three are gathered together, where we agree, that word agreement is our uh, comes from a Greek word from which we get our present day word symphony, that we're meant to live in a symphony and worship together as a symphony and live in community. Martin Luther King said, it's either community or chaos, and never more were those true words truer than today. We can't be cloistered away somewhere. We just can't break away into our own little pockets of isolated self-interest. We, we're not made to bite and devour one another. Neither are we meant to live on solitary islands somewhere. We're made for each other. It's a mandate early in Scripture, Genesis 2. It's not good for man to dwell alone. Solomon said two are better than one. We're part of the church, the ecclesia, the group of the called out ones. And so we're going to gather together day 22 and beyond and lift up that divine principle of fellowship and communion used some 20 times in the New Testament, all throughout the book 
of Acts that continues steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship and breaking of bread and prayers. That the church is not simply an institution. It's a fellowship of individuals that we're united to the Lord and one another. It's you, me, and Jesus. Amen. We're not an island. We're better together. Amen. So Don and Yolanda and April and Brenda, thank you for being here. And thank you for saying we're going to make this a special day in the Lord. Now, I I, I, I want to stop and just say a, a moment, just a moment. We're, we are living in perilous times and we're living in difficult times. And we're not going to underestimate that. We're not Pollyanna. We don't have our rose-colored glasses on. We're not just walking through life pretending something is not happening. It's happening. It's happening all around us. And these are difficult days when we hear of patriarchs like we heard yesterday of Bishop Ray Johnson. And we hear of people that have passed from our lives due to the virus that's going on right now. I, I just, it makes us know it's real. It's real. But here's what we know, that together, together, so long as we can bind together, we're stronger together. It was in 1885 in the World Series of Mule Team Competition. Yeah, there was actually such a thing. It was held in Chicago, Illinois, and the winning team of mules pulled something like, I don't know, 9,000 pounds. Second place team pulled slightly less. Somebody got the idea of taking both teams, hook into a sled, just see how much they could pull. They thought maybe twice 9,000 pounds, 18,000 pounds. It was discovered that those two winning teams could pull over 30,000 pounds. That synergy is found in symphony. That where there is harmony, the, the total exceeds the sum of the parts. That where you and I come together, something is magnified. One puts a thousand to flight to 10,000 that somehow when we come together, there's greater authority, greater power. We are stronger and we are better together. And never is this more important than in the act of prayer that we need each other to pray. Every Paul needs a Silas. Every Jonathan needs an armor bearer. Every Every Peter and John, they needed each other standing outside of the gate. Beautiful. So we need one another. Amelia and Cindy, we need one another. In the book on prayer, in that morning by morning prayer journey that we've taken, I've emphasized the importance of gathering together for prayer. It was A.T. Pearson, father of American missions. He once said, there has never been a spiritual awakening in any country, any locality, that did not begin in united prayer, when people got together to pray. Now, this may look different than what we think of prayer in the past, but us gathering together, I don't know, over 200 this morning so far, I this is what prayer looks like in our day and age. Early proponents called it extraordinary prayer. Ordinary prayer was private prayer, private devotion. But extraordinary prayer was a meeting of people, maybe from different churches, even different faiths, that somehow got together and said, we know our help comes from the Lord. These were called concerts of prayer. Not concert in a musical sense, but concert as in 
concerted action that we get together and we apply ourselves. Whatever term is used, it's the single greatest contributor to what's been called great awakenings in our nation's history. And today, we need an awakening like never before, and we need to gather in concert and in symphony to see a miraculous awakening in our world. This prayer society stuff, it started back in the old world, extended to the new world. Do you know that in 1620, this fall, we're going to celebrate the 400th anniversary of the Mayflower landing on this nation's shores. Do you know when they stepped off that ship, they brought with them the secret of prayer societies, of concerts of prayer, the you and me Jesus and Jesus attitude. That was an understanding that they could face anything the new world could throw at them because they brought with them united prayer, a symphony of supplication. At intervals in America's histories over these past 400 years, when sin abounded, grace rose from the strings of united prayer. We all know how essential prayer is. I believe it was S.D. Gordon that once said, you can do more than pray after you've prayed, but you cannot do more than pray until you prayed, we know that we will either pray or faint. We know the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man. Ian Bounds said it like this, God shapes the world by prayer. The more praying there is in the world, the better the world will be. The minor the forces against evil. The prayers of God's saints are the capital stock of heaven by which God carries on his great work upon earth. God conditions the very life and prosperity of his cause on prayer. If those things are true, folks, then prayer should be the main business of our day, of this day especially. Our God has limited himself and his activities to your and my prayers. He desires our partnership when he releases his grace. That's why John Wesley said, founder of Methodism, he said, God will do nothing. Hey, that's powerful words. God will do nothing but in response to our prayer, God will do nothing except answer our prayer. You stop and think about it. God will do nothing but in answers to our prayer. That the hand of God awaits the prayers of his people. That God's agenda is on hold until God's people pray and say, we are ready. We are looking to you. We are seeking your face. We know where our help comes from. This is where we are, folks. This is where we are in this crazy year of 2020. It's as if there's a hush in the heavenlies, silence and stillness. It's that moment the conductor lifts his baton and there's a pause. And every member of the audience takes a breath. And each member of the symphony watches the uplifted hand of the conductor waiting for the slightest motion waiting to begin the symphony of the ages, what the Bible calls the last hour, the end of the end of times, the last of the last days, the final display of God's grace and mercy on a sin-struck, weary world. 
Praying believers hold the balance of power in this world today. Do you hear me? We hold the balance of power. That power is not in the media. It's not in the tech moguls. It's not in the politicians or power brokers, but in the members of the symphony of this group and others meeting around the world whose only music is a sigh and a cry and a groan that cannot be uttered. I believe in exercising our religious freedoms and liberties. I believe in gathering in worship and praise. I believe in lifting our voices in chorus with others. But I also believe in the power of two and three praying, uh, you, me, and Jesus. Uh, I believe in registering to vote. I believe in letting your voice be heard. I believe in getting out to vote and exercising your civic responsibilities. Uh, But I still believe that it's not by might and it's not by power, but it's through the wind of the spirit that is sweeping across our souls. That's how God is going to touch our world. Uh, I believe in the preached word of God. I believe in reaching out and saving others. I believe in carrying the gospel here in North America and across the seven seas and the seven continents. I believe it's the everlasting gospel given once and for all to the saints. Uh, But I also believe there's a journey that can only be made on our knees. And the lights are dimming and the curtains rising. And the symphony of the ages, the final symphony is preparing to play. And you and I have a part in that symphony, a part that only we can do. And we've got to play it. Beyond 21 days of prayer on day 22, day 23, day 24, beyond this interval of time, we keep praying. And together, we lock arms. We get in agreement. Symphoneo is the Greek word. We get in the symphony with one another. Prior symphonies have done their part, folks. The church of Jerusalem had a symphony. They were in one mind with one accord. And in Acts 2 and in Acts 4, they gathered in an upper room and played. And the conductor showed up and a world was turned upside down down. Oh, yes, it was. The church of Antioch, they too had a symphony. They would pray together and the Holy Spirit said, separate Barnabas and Saul to me for the work of ministry and missions began. And it was at Antioch, when they were praying together, that believers were first called Christians. Uh, The Church of Rome played its part in the catacombs and the giving of lives. Uh, Each group of believers in scripture had a chance. They had a chance to shape world events. Uh, They had a chance in times of uncertainty and tribulation and waning religious fervor. They had a chance uh, in those churches and whatever community they found themselves in to unite together, whether it was in Smyrna or Sardis, uh, whether they grew fearful or silent, uh, it was up to them. It was up to them as it is up to us 
us today. In America, prior symphonies have done their part. The churches of the original 13 colonies played their role and they united in concerts of prayer. After the revolution, a nation slumped spiritually. Alcoholism was rampant. Believers were nearly non-existence at the Ivy League schools of Harvard and Princeton. Those few who were there met in secret, not behind an iron curtain, but an ivy curtain. My, my, where are we at in America? But believers started binding and praying together, Finney, Cartwright, Stone, Asbury, and others, and the symphony began to play, and the sweet music of prayer swept the nation, and an awakening came, dramatic, sustained. It changed the course of generations, turned from darkness to light by the sweet sounds, converted from prayer meetings uh, in symphony uh, all over the nation and the world. Uh, You see, we don't need just the talented few in performance. We need the symphony of saints uh, who know how to call on God in prolonged united seasons uh, of prayer. I wish you'd just stop. Stop a moment. Stop a moment. Stop a moment and just think about this just for a while. Robert, Leah, Sarah, Livia, and Glenn, uh, early this morning, early this morning, I just got, I I just, I'm telling you, I, I was just awakened and I just couldn't get it off my mind. I was thinking about, I was thinking about, I showed you a book that I, I keep here right before me every time I get up. This was a, This was an unemployed tailor named Jeremiah Lamphere that is responsible for the third awakening, uh, started a noon prayer meeting on uh, Fulton Street in the financial district of Manhattan. Uh, And I started thinking about that this morning. I don't know why, but I I, I went to my library and uh, and I I, I have a an old handwritten journal from somebody who is at you can see it. It's beautiful. We can't write like this anymore, folks. We, it's a handwritten journal over a hundred pages long of someone who was at that 1857 prayer revival and they just wrote their thoughts. And, and I was, I was reading in the book and as I, I read, something fell out, something fell out of the book. And I, I'd been looking for this for a long time. I couldn't find it. It's, it's a little postcard. It's a watercolor on one side and it shows Jeremiah Lamphere sitting alone on Fulton Street on the third floor of the old North Dutch church. Uh, he had put out his advertisements, said, I'm having a noon prayer meeting if you will join me. Uh, but for the first 30 minutes, he sat alone. And then on the back of this postcard is an, is an inscription of that opening prayer meeting. Uh, and uh, I, I just started, I just turned to it and I started reading uh, Day after day, it says, and many times a day, this man, Jeremiah Lamphere, was on his knees saying, God, what would, what do you want me to do? And he said, uh, going in the rounds of my performance, my duty one day, as I was walking along the streets, the idea was suggested to my mind. It just fell into my mind. Why not do a noon prayer meeting and just invite people to pray? Invite business people in Manhattan to pray. He said, I set it up on September 23rd, 1857. The door of the third story classroom was thrown open. And at half past 12, I was all alone. I'd been praying for 30 minutes. He said, but then I heard the sounds of a solitary individual climbing the stairs. 
climbing the stairs. You see, when that one person waiting in the third floor was united with one other person climbing the stairs, a symphony began. By the time the prayer meeting was over, there were six people that had showed up. A symphony. The second week, 14. The third week, 23. The need was so desperate, they started it every noonday, Monday through Friday. They would gather together in prayer. Oh, and by late winter, they were filling the North Dutch church uh, to capacity. And it spread to the Methodist church on John Street, Trinity Episcopal on Broadway at Wall Street. In February and March of 1858, just a few months later, every church and every public hall in downtown New York was filled at noon. The church bells would ring. Horace Greeley was a newspaper editor, sent a reporter around with a horse and buggy at the noon hour, racing from prayer meeting to prayer meeting. He said, count as many as you can. He could only get to 12 of the meetings, but he counted 6,100 adults uh, attending and a landslide of prayer began. It overflowed to churches uh, in the evenings. People began to be converted 10,000 a week in New York City alone. It spread throughout New England. Uh, church bells bringing people to prayer at 8 in the morning and then at 12 noon uh, and then at 6 in the evening. It's not magical when we do it, uh, but this is where we are, folks. Uh, what we need a few people climbing those stairs. We need just a gathering of a few. Uh, it's you, it's me, it's Jesus, uh, and that's the symphony uh, of the ages. Uh, we're not doing this as an end to ourselves, to pat ourselves on the back and say, look, here we are. No, the final performance uh, has arrived. The curtains rise, the lights dim, and the symphony will soon play in harmony with the spirit. An awakening has come. A sleeping giant awaits an awakening, and that will only come from the final symphony of people who know how to bind together and pray as never before. I don't want to be in first year. I don't care if I'm in second year. I don't care if I'm on the back seat of the orchestra. I just want to be in the symphony in this day when the lights dim and the curtains rise and the symphony of the ages gathers and our hearts are tuned to him and the conductor stands and a weary world and a fatigued church. But every one of us has our eyes trained on the conductor waiting for the baton to drop and the musical score crafted by the master for this last day shall begin the symphony. Folks, we're there. The lights have grown dim. There's a pause. Our world is taking a deep breath. I say, let the symphony begin. Let it begin. Let it start here. Let it start everywhere. But everyone, you, me, Jesus, together, we are together in this. So David and Winnie and Terry and Lasagna and Patty, we're together in this. Uh, as I draw to a close this devotion and 21 days of prayer, would you just leave one of those big, audacious prayer requests out to the side? I mean, one of those beyond imagination 
beyond impossible. And I wish we would just rally together and claim that. Uh, would you would you invite others? There are empty chairs in this symphony. Invite others to participate in this because the more we can begin to pray, God's agenda will be fulfilled in our midst and we'll see the mighty works of God in these last days. Thank you for being a part of this. I look forward to seeing you again Monday morning, seven o'clock. And may God be with you this weekend. Thank you for listening to Morning Devotion with Ken Gurley. Join us next time for another inspiring devotion. To support this ministry, please visit firstchurch.com forward slash give.